Hi, everybody. Um, today in this episode, we're going to talk about what is value investing. So before we start, I wanted to mention a book that we mentioned in the previous episode, The 100 Baggers. This is a book that contained the, um, the, uh, the story about this janitor who wasn't making a lot of money, but had saved $8 million when he died and passed it on to his children. Yeah, it's a fantastic book uh, and definitely worth the read. But we'll, we'll do a whole uh, podcast on, that, on the book itself. Right. So this book is, if, if anyone, anyone is interested, it's called 100 Bagger Stocks That Return 100 to 1 and How to Find Them by Christopher Mayer. And there'll be a link in the, uh, the show notes uh, okay. uh, for everyone to see. Awesome. So let's start, dive right into the, uh, the question here. So in the previous episode, we talked about why invest at all. And people may ask the follow-up question, which I think is obvious follow-up question is, okay, what, where should I look and how should I look? Right? You have stock market, you have, you have the real estate market, but behind all those different avenues of investing, there's different philosophy behind investing. And so you can, you can see those when you read papers, people talk about growth investing or value investing or momentum investing. So there are different philosophies around investing. But we are champions of value investing. So let's just dive into what is value investing first off. So Hari, what, what is value investing? Well, you know, I think it's, a, to put it simply, it's, it's really determining what the value of something is and then paying some, you know, somewhere a lot less than that uh, you know, for, for that item. And, and this is not necessarily just stocks. I mean, it can be any, anything that, where you can determine the value of right. it. You know, and um, some things don't have necessarily have a readily uh, available value mm-hmm. that you can you can put a label on, mm-hmm. and others do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the reasons why the stock market is a um, is a good place to look uh, for value investing is that um, there's a readily available price quote every single market day. You can find out, you know, thousands of times a day. There's a quote that will tell you what the price is, um, and you know the companies have the ability to generate cash, generate cash yeah. which is how you determine value of a business right. and we'll get into a lot of that later right uh, but for right now just think about value investing is determining what something is worth and then trying to find a price that is significantly less than that right. uh, um to make that you know investment decision right it's a it's a two step process you know finding the value of things and then paying less Right. For that value, or whatever that thing is, right. that may be you know right. business, real estate, et cetera, et cetera. Cryptocurrencies has been tossed around the news cycle a lot, um, so that's just bargain hunting equals value investing, right? And so if you think about that, right, if you st- step outside in the value inve- or investing world, generally speaking, and just think about that idea that you pay f- some, you pay the amount of money for something, you, know, you pay you pay less than what it's actually worth, right? If you think about that, that seems very obvious. That's what you do when you go to a supermarket. You know, when there's yep. a wheel of cheese going for $1,000 versus a wheel of cheese that's going for $500, and they're the same quality from same brand, same everything, why would you pay $1,000 when you can get it for 500 It seems very obvious, right? Yeah, I mean, think about it when you, you know, let's say that you go to let's say in the Mercedes dealership, right? Mm-hmm. And if you live in a big city, there are probably multiple dealerships. And, um, you know, the Mercedes S500, it's $100,000, mm-hmm. right? So if, if you go to one of the dealers and they say, well, I'm selling it for $30,000, mm-hmm. 
you'd be the first question out of your mouth is probably what's wrong with it. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. And so, you know, a lot of the times when you look at value stocks, mm -hmm. there may be something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's it's nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's trumped up by, you know, the media or stock analysts or whatever as the the end of the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about it last year. Um, you know, the we retail. had retail stocks, apocalypse. you know, it was the retail apocalypse and, you know, Target was going under, uh, all of these places were just going to, you know, fall apart. Right. Amazon was going to do, right. uh, take over. Right. And now you look, you know, yeah. fast forward a year later, Target has gotten blown out, you know, their, yeah. their earnings, they're doing very well. Right. I mean, I, I drive by, uh, you know, when we go to lunch, we drive by a Target, the parking lot is full at, at noon. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, Wall Street Journal just did an article on Target and Walmart. Retail's crushing it. Yeah, crushing and, it, just absolutely crushing it. You know, I, I think there is certainly a place for all of these things, but part of value investing is really it's it's finding the truth, right? Mm -hmm. It's finding out what is actually happening rather than believing somebody else's story. And you find a lot of that with analysts and things like that is they want to paint the picture of some of something happening mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the truth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But that's why, you know, this, as we talked about in the last episode, the do-it-yourself nature of this is find out the facts yourself and make your own decision rather than relying on somebody else. Because what may happen is they may make a recommendation. Your buddy is doing really well in the stock market. Mm -hmm. He makes a recommendation. Then you don't see him for six months. And then, you know, that... Um, recommendation goes you know south mm -hmm. well he may have already left left or gone somewhere else right exactly so you know this is you know getting back to that and tying this in value investing is is finding what the value is and using information to you know as it comes in to make that you know distinction. exactly so, so identifying identifying the true value by yeah. looking looking through this layers of people's opinions and groupthink right and look and just and, to and peel those and, away. And facts, you know, from the company, and and annual reports, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of things, and it and you'll get better at it when you start, because it, it sounds daunting, right? Mm -hmm. This guy's a professional. That's what he does all day. Right. Well, and and as we go into this, we'll 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 kind of talk to you about why their incentives aren't necessarily aligned with yours. Yeah. So that that's why it's all the more important to really find what something is worth by you. By using your own eyes and ears and, and getting that information. Exactly. And, and just kind of, kind of tying back to what we talked about um, earlier in this episode about, you know, what is value investing? Value investing is bargain hunting. Right. Bargain hunting, you can only do bargain hunting if you actually know the price of it. Yeah. So you must be able to determine the price of something. Right. And that's where uh, what Hari is talking about. So going back to the kind of the principles of value investing, there are many principles out there, but I want to touch on a few now. And we'll talk about... Uh, these principles more in, in in detail in later episodes, but uh, let, let's start with uh, principle number one. Rule number one is uh, is what we is what we say in the value investing world. So tell us about rule number one. Yeah, so um, you know it, it, this is a something that sort of tongue in cheek that Warren Buffett said mm. a, a while ago. That is, <laughs> I love the quote. Yeah, rule. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, so rule number one is don't lose money. Mm -hmm. Rule number two is don't ever forget rule number one. That's it. And so, you know, I, and, you know, part of that is by by using value, you know, and we'll tie this into an, a concept in here in just a second. Value tells you what something is worth. If you're going to pay more, say something is worth $100 and you pay 120 there's a high chance that, you know, at some point the market corrects and that $120 
you know, investment is now worth a hundred mm-hmm. and you've lost some money. Right. Whereas if you buy something that is seventy dollars or sixty dollars and it's actually worth a hundred, you know, you have that um you have the ability to, you know, to get something, you know, when the market corrects itself. Mm-hmm. So by buying undervalued, you know, stocks, uh, real estate and so on, you actually, there is a correction factor that allows you to, to make money. And that's, that's where we make money here is that can something that is cheap go even cheaper? Right. And the answer is absolutely yes. Yes. Um, but, but when you have a, uh, you know, when you when you follow those principles, you, their likelihood is a lot less right. that you're going to lose. Right. So rule number one, just to reiterate, is don't ever lose money. And yep. rule number two is don't forget in rule number one. So this whole concept is is packaged into what we call rule number one principle right. in the value investing world. And to get there, right, how do you get there is what Hari's talking about. How do you make sure that you never lose money? And the way you do that is through what's called margin of safety. Yep. That's what's that. That's what we call, um, you know, buying something with significant margin of safety, so that it even if it drops, you're still above what you paid for. Yeah, and and so think about it this way: if you buy something that's worth a hundred dollars, and you pay fifty, you know, there's a significant. Let's say you're off a little bit on your valuation mm-hmm. from a hundred, and it's now worth ninety. As opposed to paying ninety dollars for something that's worth a hundred dollars, and then it gets reevaluated to ninety dollars, well, the, you're not going to really make any money there, mm-hmm. right? And so, and what we haven't talked about here is, as part of rule number one, is there is a cost for uh, every investment that you make. We call that the opportunity cost mm-hmm. um, that you can invest in something else. Mm-hmm. So, it's always best to invest in something that is as cheap as possible, the mm-hmm. largest margin of safety that you can get. And that allows you to, you know, to actually never, well, I, I mean, I'm, I won't say that you'll never lose money, but right. <laughs> but your likelihood is much lower. Exactly. That way. Exactly. You're just pr- trying to protect your uh, principal yeah. capital. Yeah. So, we, so just as I'm trying to recap here, so rule number one we talked about, margin of safety we talked about. There's another principle that's so important. Actually, before we go into that, I want to talk, I want to read you a quote on margin of safety. Margin of safety has been, you know, it's a principle that's, we're going to talk about later this guy, Benjamin Graham. He's the father of value investing. He's the one who created the, the idea of value investing. But there's a famous quote um, on margin of safety. Here it is. To distill the secret of sound investment into three words, we venture in we venture the motto, margin of safety. So the secret of sound investing is margin of safety from Benjamin Graham himself. So I wanted to touch touch on that really quick before we move on to the next topic. Yeah, I, I think you can... There are a lot of people who call themselves value investors, right? And I think value investing is not a new concept, you know, even when in Benjamin Graham's time. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, you know, we, we all try and... And everybody does this, stock analysts. They all put a price target. They always say this is what the stock is worth, you know, kind of thing. But the zone in which you would be willing to buy is only when there's a large enough buffer mm-hmm. that, you know, companies go through rough patches, you know, all the time. And you do not want to be holding that. Like we were talking about Target earlier. You know, when um, today Target is try- selling at around $85 a share, you know, if you thought that it was worth that but and you paid $80 a share, you know, there's there's a chance that it goes down. Well, mm-hmm. last year it drops into the 50s. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you've lost a lot of your, you know, your money, mm-hmm. you know, in that scenario. So 
but buying it at 50 when it's worth 85 there's a significant you know buffer there because it's a big company with a great you know uh great prospects right so you know that that idea is so critical to this that and being rigid about that uh, about that principle uh, exactly I, yeah. and i can't emphasize that enough that, we, we i mean we made the mistake right there too. yeah yeah right. if if you don't have that you, you're you know then that's when you fall afoul of you know rule number one exactly you know so moving on to another principle that is so important in the value investing world is investing is not speculating so investing fundamentally different than speculating i want to read you a quote really quick and then uh, i want i want i would like Hari to chime in here a quote this is also a quote from benjamin graham invest in operation in one which upon through upon th- upon thorough analysis promises of safety of principle and an adequate return operations not meeting these requirements are speculative so when you talk about investing is not speculating yeah, so I, I think uh, you know, you know Benjamin Graham wrote in the '30s, you know, and at that time, you know, these definitions were everybody was considered an investor, and they still think think this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll hear the Dow, the Dow Jones investors were fleeing the Dow Jones today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not investing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's speculation because what they're seeing is investing is really assigning a value to it, sticking to these principles of buying only undervalued securities. You know, if you buy it, you know, when you speculate and then let's be clear, speculation is not illegal or immoral or has, you know, it, but but it's also not a very good way of making money. Mm-hmm. And so if you think that, you know, I can buy a stock, you know, that's a little bit overvalued, but, you know, is still going to keep growing just because, um, you know, the, the economy is going to do well and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you're essentially speculating on what is going to happen, right? I think the the best example of this is cryptocurrency, right? Cryptocurrency doesn't have an intrinsic value, right? In, intrinsic value. Can you explain that a little yeah, bit more? Right. So, it, so it, In, let, let's take ex, for example, uh, Bitcoin or a bar of gold or something like that, mm-hmm. right? The intrinsic value of of that is impossible to deter, determine mm-hmm. because it is essentially what somebody else is willing to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in, in the case of gold, gold actually has some, you know, industrial use and things like that, medical uses uh, and so on. Um, so there is a value to it that can be assigned because of industrial use, you know, and, and supply and demand. But, you know, for the most part, Bitcoin and things like that. And I, again, I'm not saying this is immoral or wrong to invest in them. I, I What I'm just saying is, is that is it worth $100? Is it worth a million dollars? Well, it's only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for it, right? As opposed to uh, an investment where you can actually measure the amount of cash that that investment will generate. Yeah, uh, I just want to harp on that really quick. Um, well, we 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 talk we are in this topic. We are on this topic because we were talking about investing is not speculating. Speculating is not investing, and as it relates to that, intrinsic value is important because you can't be investing in something. You can't say that you're investing in something when you can't even figure out the intrinsic value of of the thing that you're investing in. And so that's where this intrinsic value, finding what it's actually worth to you as an investor comes into play. So, so I just wanted to just wanted to just yeah, frame it. Yeah, and I and I I want to make this clear to everyone because this is a very important point and we will talk about it a lot as you and you'll hear us say this these words a lot of investment versus speculation. I mean, let's take an example that a lot of people are familiar with, you know, Tesla, right? So Tesla is 
always in the news. You know, everyone is very uh, enamored with the CEO. He's built a, a product that a lot of people love. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a thing that can transform the auto industry from, you know, gas powered to electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Right. But so te- Tesla so far has not made any money. Right. Uh, they haven't made an economic profit. Um, and so, you know, they are sp- still burning money to to build this company. So you can make the argument that, you know, that it is a speculative uh, uh, in you know, speculative uh, security because there is no. How how do you know how much money they're going to make, mm-hmm. right? And and the way we determine that is by assessing what are all of the future cash flows of a company, mm-hmm. and then using that, uh, you know, discounting it back to today's, you know, uh, uh, and that's how we determine the value of something. So if something doesn't make any money, it's really hard to determine what it's what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And you could make that argument for uh, Bitcoin. You could make that argument for a painting, mm-hmm. you know, for artwork, things like that. Whereas if you can't, if it can't generate cash, then how do you invest? You know, how do you measure what it's worth? Exactly. And, you know, so so tying that and think about that because it's, it sounds silly that you would think about this, you know, but, but you should really put this, you know, at the top of your list whenever you're looking at an investment or you know to make an investment is, am I speculating on this? Mm-hmm. And and that'll help you determine, you know, uh, you know as you start building out your framework for you know for success here. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to mention one more thing about intrinsic value. Just one one really quick thing. Intrinsic value, when we talk about, in the context of investing, intrinsic value can only be assessed if it returns cash to you. Um, so just going back to Hari's point about, you know, you have this painting or cryptocurrency or something else. If, if, if that asset, if that, if, that, if that thing doesn't generate cash in the future... There's really, it's really hard to assess intrinsic value of it to right. a, to an investor, to an art collector. It may be a different story because he just likes, or he or she just likes to collect art. But as an investor who is looking for a return on that investment, the only way to really assess that is through future uh, future cash. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think you can think about this, and you know, not to belabor this point, but you know, if you look at in 2008, you know, people were buying condos in Miami. Sometimes the condo hadn't even been built yet. Mm-hmm. The first person would buy it. They would sell it to somebody else for a higher price. A third person would buy it at an even higher price. Right. And the idea was is that I will find somebody else to pay a higher price than what I am paying mm-hmm. right now. And that is the essence of speculation, speculation right? Yeah. Is that you have no way of knowing what something is worth, but because you think somebody else will pay a higher price for it, you are willing to sell at a higher price. Mm-hmm. As opposed to knowing what, you know, you could rent that condo out for in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Well, and then what happened was, you know, these condos would be bought out three and four times before they were even built. Right. Bu- you know, bought and sold. <laughs> That's crazy. And then, you know, the uh, the market crashes and all mm-hmm. of those companies, you know, some of those condos never even get finished because the builder goes out of, you know, runs out of money. So you got to you got to be very careful about this and think about is this actually speculation mm-hmm. or am I actually investing here? Right. So those are the principles of value investing. Rule number 1, margin of safety, and lastly investing is not speculation. And so I wanted to touch this last point before we close out this episode on the background of Benjamin Graham. As as we said earlier, Benjamin Graham is the father of value investing. And how did this idea come about? I think it's important to touch on it a little bit here. 
uh, because it has left so many people inspired, including uh, including uh, Warren Buffett and 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 you know, Joel Greenblatt, etc. Uh, the greatest investors of all time have been value investors. So, can you tell us a little bit about his background, Benjamin Graham, how this idea came about? Yeah. So you know, Benjamin Graham r- ran. You know, at various times in his career, was a professor, also ran uh, a fund, um, and you know, at the time of the uh, the Great Depression is when he started his you know career, and you know he, <clears throat> you know, as a lot of people in that time, he did very well for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, then the the you know nineteen twenty one twenty nine stock market crash mm-hmm. wipes out a lot of these guys. You know, the money is lost in that. And, you know, for the next 15 or 16 years, um, the peak of the uh, of the, the market isn't achieved again for another 15 or 20 years. It's not really till World War Two that you start seeing the investment uh, activity. St- activity start picking okay. up. Right. And so at that time, Benjamin Graham was really looking at um, a very different kind of market than we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think that changes the principles that he put forth and which it, you know, he, he lays them out in the book, you know, um, uh, the intelligent investor. Um, and he really talks, what he specifically talks about is these three things that we have, you know, have just mentioned uh, above, Mm -hmm. you know, investing is not speculation, margin of safety and, you know, don't lose money. Um, and so he does that by, by focusing on these companies that are, um, you know, basically trading below what you could liquidate the business for sell off all of the assets pay off all the debts and you would have more money than uh and so these are not great businesses you can imagine that they're you know businesses that are falling apart but have been around a long time and have you know built up a cash hoard built up some assets Mm -hmm. and so on you know those those investments don't exist today but rarely exist yeah they are still out there i should say they're not always there mm. but they're not enough in large quantity for that to be a, a primary you know uh, investment strategy mm-hmm. but nonetheless his focus is still very much on finding good companies with you know that you can understand the business and make a a reasonable assessment of their valuation mm-hmm. and then paying a, lo- a price that's significantly lower than that mm-hmm. and if you do that um as you, you know uh, there's a great article um that Warren Buffett wrote in 1984 called the uh, super investors of Graham and Doddsville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he basically says like, you know, if you look at all these people, right. And you say, you know, line up everybody's port, you know, portfolio returns over a long period of time. And you start noticing that there's a, there's a bunch of people at the top that all subscribe from one philosophy. Mm-hmm. And that philosophy is intelligent investing. It's mm-hmm. Be- Benjamin Graham and value investing. Mm-hmm. I mean, from from my perspective, why would I ever do try and reinvent the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. My goal is to make money, right? And so if I'm going to make money, I'm going to follow the guys who do the best, right? And the guys who do the best are of guys this. who follow uh, Benjamin Graham. Now, there's lots of different flavors of value investing, lots of different ways of looking at it, but all of them follow these same three principles, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I think it's so important that you, you, you learn these, you know, and... In a lot of ways, these these three things sound so simple, and then so the question is, why doesn't everybody do it? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because they are simple, right? It's, and it's so obvious. It's so obvious it's so that obvious. people just don't want to, you know. They question their um, 
their existence. Yeah. <laughs> How could it be so simple? Yeah, exactly. You know? So, you know, I, I think this is a this is a good it's a good start mm-hmm. for us to, to for to start here. And we'll we will spend a lot of time on each of these three topics in the next uh, podcast mm-hmm. to really hammer these things home and uh, get you understanding them. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you, Ari. Um, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot.